Come Follow Him podcast. This podcast is created by the Boise Nampa Institute of Religion for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Here, we hope to help young adults find relevant principles each week as they study the assigned Come Follow Me scripture block as outlined by the church. This episode is simply two institute teachers talking about what they see in the scriptures that might be relevant to your life. It is not intended to speak for the church or to definitively define doctrines or policies. Any opinions shared here are just that, our opinions, as we have learned to come follow Him. I'm your host, Matt Swenson. Let's jump in. Welcome back. It's good to be with you. I'm uh, excited to be with my friend today, uh, Brother Ike Stafford. Uh, he and I have been uh, compadres in crime uh, for a number of years now. We, we live in the same stake and uh, have gotten an opportunity to serve together in uh, a couple of different callings and uh, just excited to, to be with Ike. Um, Brother Stafford, welcome. It's good to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about you, just so uh, you know people are listening, maybe get to know you a little bit, uh, maybe your family and how long you've been with the church and your background a little bit. Yeah, so born and raised in the church okay. uh, in western Washington, been in the valley uh, a little more than a decade. Um, I'm 41 years old. Okay. Getting pretty old. You're old. Yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, my wife Jackie and I, we have nine children yeah, and um, I teach the gospel for a living. Yeah. Get to help gather Israel. Yeah. Where are you at right now? Valley View Seminary. And uh, really all the seminaries that are in the Caldwell area. Sure. Are, yeah. I got my finger in those. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Um, background in, in education, things you, you've done in your life, anything you want so to So I, um, prior to be, being a seminary teacher, I practiced law for about six months. Yeah. And then I was hired as a seminary teacher. And so obviously went to law school, passed the bar. Uh, prior to law school, played professional basketball in Germany, and um, prior to that, just trying to figure out life. Yeah. And actually, I still am trying to figure out yeah. life. <laughs> Aren't we all right? Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that you share that. You know, you've got a, a storied background, and and uh, and it's good. It it allows for a lot of different perspective and experience uh, that I think helps um, helps in your perspective of what you're reading in the scriptures. So excited to to be with you here today. So let's jump in. We're, let's not take time. Let's just let's just jump in. We're in in the book of Ezekiel today. Uh, finally, gotten to Ezekiel, um, and I'm not going to take any of your thunder. You just tell me where you want to start. Okay. So I want to start with a question for you, Matt. Oh. And uh, let's, get, let's get go all kinds of directions. Yeah. Well, I'll give you some time to think about it. Okay. I'll ask you the question, then we'll study some verses, and then we'll come back to your question okay, cool. to the question. And it's for our listeners too. So those of you listening, consider this. When was a time in your life when you felt prompted to speak up, to warn somebody, to preach to somebody mm. regarding the way they've been living or just felt that need? Sure. So if you have an experience, if you just get ready to share one, okay. if you've got one. Okay. And we'll study some yeah. principles between now and then. Great. So we're going to dive into Ezekiel chapter 3. Okay. okay. So we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Why don't you go ahead and read and I'll kind of interrupt you. Okay. Moreover... He said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. you have any questions there? Yeah, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Who's speaking? Yes, this is Ezekiel speaking. Okay. Now, this term, son of man, yeah. is a term that we associate with the Savior. Sure. But that 
that son of man title for mm-hmm. the Savior is son of man of righteousness. Okay. Ezekiel, this this term, as I understand from Hebrew, just basically means he's um, he's human. Okay. Okay. So not be confused. It's not the son of man's Savior, but the Lord is speaking to Ezekiel and okay. he tells him to eat. Eat this roll and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that roll. Sounds delicious, right? Yeah. What kind of roll is he eating? Heavenly roll. Yes. <laughs> well, what do you think? A potato roll. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe, well, what comes to my mind, and I'm probably wrong, is just the scroll of knowledge or uh, some some kind of historical Absolutely. information, maybe. Yep, so the word of the Lord generally. Okay? Yeah. That's what he's eating. Okay? Yeah, great. Love it. Uh, and he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. Okay, so how does he want him to eat this roll? Full. He wants to. It's a. It's a feast. He wants him to feast on it. That's cool. And verse four. Mm-hmm. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel and speak with my words unto them. So before Ezekiel goes and speaks, yeah. Before he is the prophet, what's he supposed to do? Go bone up, right? Get get. Uh, Get your own testimony, have your own knowledge, uh, your own experience with the gospel. Yeah, that's cool. So for you and I, before we preach or before we speak up, step number one is to obtain the word, right? right. Doctrine and Covenants 11.21, where the Lord says, Seek ye first to obtain my word yeah. and then declare it. And I think this is over the course of our life, but it's also day by day. Hmm. So with this principle... Let's go a little deeper into it. Let's look. He goes and he... We're going to jump ahead a little bit. Yeah. In fact, we're going to go to the end of the chapter. Okay. Um, verse 24. So some things happen in between there. He gets some instruction. The Lord basically tells him, hey, you're going to be prophet. Yeah. And you got to do your job. Yeah. No, uh, that's pre- no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> you got to do your job. Otherwise, it's going to be on you if you don't do your job. Yeah. Verse 24. Then the Spirit entered into me... And set me upon my feet, and spake with me, and said unto me, Go, shut thyself within thine house. But thou, O son of man, behold, they shall put bands upon thee, and shall bind thee with them, and thou shalt not go out among them. Okay, so, is he to go preach yet? No, go to his house. Go sit in your house, because they're going to capture you. Bind right. you up. Okay, and yeah. what is he supposed to respond when they capture him? 26. Then I will make thy tongue cleave to the roof of thy mouth, that thou shalt be dumb, and shalt not be to them a reprover, for they are a rebellious house. So he's not, he, he wouldn't even have the power to speak even if he tried, even with all the knowledge he had from, you know, boning up earlier. Can I interject a quote? Please. This is Neil L. Anderson, most recent conference of talk. He says... There are times when being a peacemaker means that we resist the impulse to respond Mm -hmm. and instead, with dignity, remain quiet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what the Lord's telling him. Is there's gonna be times at first they're gonna take you and bind you, but that's when you remain silent. Mm -hmm. So when does he speak? Mm -hmm. Next verse. But when I speak with thee, I will open thy mouth, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God. She says, well, stop there. The message, we're not going to focus on the message. Yeah. We're focusing on when to speak up. Yeah. Well, the beginning of that verse, right? When I speak with thee. When, when the Spirit comes and says, Now, then your, to, your, your tongue is loosed, and uh, you won't be dumb, <laughs> like he'd been told he would be. Wow, that's really interesting. 
So That's really cool. how does this relate to when we should speak up? Yeah. Well, it, you know, I've had a couple of thoughts as we've talked through these verses here that uh, I'm, I have an opportunity right now to teach a uh, institute class called Help Me Answer My Gospel Questions. And what's wonderful about that is it's teaching the concept of studying before you actually have to have the answer. Obviously, you know, some of my students have uh, questions for themselves, right? They're trying to work through a, a question that they've got, a gospel-related question. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's a good group of students that are faithful and they don't have big questions. But to ask them uh, to respond to a difficult question, most of them kind of struggle because while they don't have a problem with it, with whatever the topic is, plural marriage or blacks and the priesthood or whatever the issue might be, um, the, the Spirit has confirmed to them that they can be okay even mm-hmm. if they don't have all the answers. The reality is, is none of them have studied it either. So they don't really know what the answer yeah. would be if they did have the question. And so what's been cool is this concept of, uh, of learning beforehand, you know, that, that, uh, that, that you need to go eat the roll. You need to go, you know, study it first. And then when it comes up, um, you have the, the capacity to answer the question. You have some resource to go to. And answer the question. That's a, it's, a, it's really a wonderful concept and, and a principle that I think in the church maybe we don't um, maybe we don't grasp onto until we have our own questions. But man, to to be able to answer all the questions is really a blessing of kind of what you and I get to do, right? Yeah. We kind of have to know all the answers because we, we're going to get you know the questions pretty regularly, and and not that we know all the answers, but we've studied most of them, mm-hmm. I think, or at least familiar to yeah. some degree, right? Yeah. yeah. Which is a blessing, I think, that, that, you know, we have to do that in our occupation. And so we have that opportunity to study yeah. like that. It's cool. Something I, I think more of us should be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Of all the things we should be doing, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so so just to, to tag along with that, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, we see a, a sibling or, or maybe even somebody on the street and we need to correct them, yeah. right? Or, or maybe it's a spouse or a, a child or whatever the situation is. You know, when do we speak up? And so let's dive a little bit deeper in that. In Doctrine and Covenants 121, verse 43. Let me read it. Yep. Okay. And I'm going to interrupt you again. Okay, I like that. Reproving betimes with sharpness. Stop there. Okay. Reproving, fancy word for... Yeah, but, uh, correcting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Reproving with with t- be times be times fancy word yes. for do you remember this it's it's a fancy word for soon or quickly oh cool immediately rather than letting the issue go on yeah correcting soon with sharpness or um, directness yep there yeah. you go yeah does that work mm-hmm. and then here's the line that's relevant to our discussion yeah when moved upon by the Holy Ghost stop there yeah so anytime we're gonna have to warn step number one is hold on a second yeah am I moved upon by the Holy Spirit mm-hmm or is this, or am I feeling something else? Or am I frustrated? Or am I just feeling like i got to say this for whatever reason? Mm-hmm. The difference between that and the Holy Spirit. Any yeah. commentary on that? Well, it's just making me think of the question you asked early on that I haven't shared my answer to yet. And, and, that, but it, and I'll get there when, when you want me to. But, but yeah, it, it's definitely something that oftentimes I've felt like I wanted to correct, make a correction, mm-hmm. but, but the Spirit prompted me not to just said nah, just leave it alone mm-hmm. and, and I think that's good that we are willing to listen to that I think social media especially has uh, dampened that mm-hmm. capacity to hear the spirit it's so easy to just be livid about something somebody posted and just jump in yeah yeah 
One more principle yeah. as it relates to this. Sure. And the reason I'm spending so much time on this is because I interviewed two young adults in preparation for mm-hmm, this. And mm-hmm. said, here's all the things, directions we could go with Ezekiel. What's most relevant to you? Sure. And both of them said this issue is right. when to speak up, when to correct somebody, huh. when to defend the faith. Yeah, good. I love that. I'll read this one. This is section 100 of the Doctrine and Covenants, 100 verses 5 through 8. Speak the thoughts I shall put into your heart, and you shall not be confounded before men. Mm-hmm. Promise we're pretty familiar with. Yeah. For it shall be given you in the very hour, yea, the very moment, that what you shall say. And then here's the commandment he attaches with it. When we speak up, he says, but a commandment I give unto you, that you shall declare whatsoever thing you declare in my name, in solemnity of heart, in the spirit of meekness, mm. in all things. Mm. You know, sometimes in some of these old church videos, I have a problem with them because the prophet's saying things like, Whoa, unto you! You know, yeah. I, I, I just can't see the prophet yeah. being like right. that. Especially as the Lord gives this instruction, solemnity of heart and a spirit of meekness. And then the promise comes in verse 8. Inasmuch as ye do this, the Holy Ghost shall be shed forth and bearing record unto all things whatsoever yeah. you shall say. Yeah. So there's the promise. If we wait until the Spirit teaches us, or prompts us to, and we speak in solemnity of heart and his, the meekness of His Spirit, then the promise is the Holy Spirit will bear witness. Yeah. That's a promise. Yeah, that's cool. So... Yeah, that's great. It uh, it reminds me of you, you know when you said whoa one two right. Uh, it reminds me of uh, maybe maybe a couple of prophets fifty years ago, mm-hmm. who um, maybe because of the times that were so free and liberal and you know just uh, free love and all yeah. the things right. Yeah, they they maybe were a little more direct than they are today about things um, and maybe calling the church members out on some things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm I'm thinking of President Kimball. Uh, telling the church that we're not reading the Book of Mormon, right? Like we need to repent and and re- but but it was never done with a loud voice. It was never yeah. done in anger. Yeah. It was done in humility. And yeah. I'm I'm here to point this out because it's my assignment um, as a watchman, right? That that yeah. I'm I'm here to say something that's going to be hard for you. Um, and maybe because it's hard speak, we uh, hear it louder, right? Than than he's saying it. Um, I think that's true for even in our day. We we hear prophets and apostles speak about things that are uh, maybe hot button topics, and it seems louder. It seems harsher yeah. than what they're really saying, yeah. um, because I have my own political opinion, or I mm-hmm. have my own, you know, social experience. My own experiences is, is affecting how loud their words are to me. Right. Or 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 the tone. Yeah. Right. The tone that we assign to the words we read. Right. So, to go along with this, before we get to your experience, let's jump ahead in Ezekiel. Okay. Okay, let's go to 33. Okay. okay. Oh, way ahead, yeah. Yeah, way ahead. <clears throat> so, Ezekiel's been preaching. Okay. The people, and by the way, we have to come back to Ezekiel 1, and we'll do that in a minute, but Ezekiel 33, just on this topic of, you know, of the prophets and how they respond, first part of section or of chapter 33, and the Lord has already iterated this to Ezekiel, basically saying, Ezekiel, if you do your job, then the blood of those who don't repent will not be on your garments. Yeah. But if you don't do your job, if you do not raise that voice of warning, then their sins are on you, Ezekiel. Hmm. And then he says this, verse number 10 from chapter 33. Go ahead. Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus ye speak, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? 
So stop there for a second. I'm just going to interpret this verse. Yeah, please. So what the Lord is saying is, after you tell the people they need to repent, and that they're going to die if they don't, they're going to say to you, well, what do we do? Yeah. Like, because we're deep in our sins and we can't get out of it. Yeah. Right? And so this is the Lord's response. One of my favorite verses, really, of all time. Go ahead. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Stop there. Hmm. Thoughts? Yeah, you know, the, especially in the Old Testament, we see such a different Savior than we see in the New Testament. And, and interestingly, I think, maybe correctly, uh, Christ came to earth and lived an example life, right, for us. But because of that, we have um, diminished his um, Old Testament way of correcting. Mm-hmm. Right, that yeah. that is pretty harsh and pretty uh, harsh is maybe the wrong word. Um, we see it on on earth as harsh, yeah. Well, but there's a lot of language like my fierce anger, right. and and my wrath, right. And, uh, Which obviously those those can be righteous, right? Because he's not, he wouldn't be sinning and to do that those things. And so it's interesting because you think of the flood, um, you think of the plagues, um, and just things where there were a lot of people that were really hurt, mm-hmm. died, right. Mm-hmm. But the Lord's, in the, according to this verse, the beginning of it, the, the Lord doesn't ever take pleasure in that. He's doing it because the outcome of that is better for man or mankind, right? It's mm-hmm. better for you that you die than continue on in your sin and get worse, flood people. Um, it's better that you uh, have these plagues happen to you and try to try to get you to repent than that you just continue to oppress my people, right? right? So the Lord never wants to do what he's doing when it's hurting uh, those on earth. But he also has a bigger perspective. He's seeing eternally that, you know, death is not the end. Mm-hmm. And if if I bring you home now, I save you from really messing up. Yeah. And, and so he sees things different. He doesn't take pleasure in it. No. But uh, with that bigger perspective allows him to uh, maybe act in ways that we hope he wouldn't. But he does. Yeah, and just to go with that, I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, these bad people are going to get what they deserve. Yeah. And, you know, that's just not the Lord's way. No. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And I don't think we will either. I mean, you think about, you get past this earth, and even people that have harmed us and wronged us, if we got to stand in at their judgment, none of us would be like, get him, right? None of us yeah. would be, we just wouldn't be that way. Once we're there and we see it and we realize the consequences of eternity and the choices you made on earth, yeah. you, you will want the Lord to be as as uh, kind and forgiving and compassionate as he can be. And, and I say that, and, and in the back of my mind, I think there's people out there who have had some pretty horrible abuses and things like that. And that may, yeah. that may be harder, harder to hear and believe and and maybe it's not true yeah. for in those few cases, but but I think generally, you know, pe- what people do on earth and their limited capacity to know and understand, I think we're 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 that way too. I right. think. Right. And I think you're great. I think you're wise to bring up that that counsel that you know, the Lord is perfectly forgiving. Yeah. And especially for those who have experienced really traumatic uh, experiences at the hands of others. It takes some time. Yeah. It takes really some time. And maybe not even in this lifetime. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maybe even into eternity, right? Yeah. yeah. But to go along with that mercy of the Lord, let's jump ahead to verse 15, right? Okay. This is the awesome part of this, of the wicked. Verse number 15, go ahead. So we're in Ezekiel yeah, 33, 33 15. If the wicked restore the pledge, give, un, give again that he had robbed, 
walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. So he repents, he shall not die. Yeah, you give it all back and you make it right. That's cool. And here's personally some one of my favorite parts. Go ahead. 16. Yep. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned unto him. He hath done that which is lawful and right. He shall surely live. It's all washed, washed away. Not yeah. brought up. None of his sins that he hath committed shall be mentioned mm. to him. I just have this image in my mind of this brother who, this is years ago now, but I just can, and I knew him personally, and uh, we'll just say he was a, he had a timeout mm-hmm. from the church uh, due to some of his, his actions, and we'll just say it that way. And after a long repentance process, I can remember the power, the, the day that he got his blessings restored, or the, the next fast Sunday, and him sta- standing up and bearing testimony, mm-hmm. and just weeping, and just feeling that power and that beautiful the power of God and the power of the atonement and that his sins will no longer be mentioned. Mm. And they just extreme, I use the word extreme very, very specifically, extreme joy that that brother felt on that day. And I got to taste part of it too. And we've all experienced it personally. It's a little easier to talk about somebody else's experience, but. Yeah. Well, and, and and the years or however long it took of a lack of having all the blessings. Yeah. Spirit gone, gift yeah. of the Holy Ghost at least gone. Um, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's significant. I, I really love that concept that uh, it won't be it won't be remembered. Uh, he won't he won't he won't. What did he say there? He said they won't be mentioned. It won't be mentioned, right? This concept of of Christ being the adva, the advocate for us um, is something that is jumping out to me, and I was trying to find it here where he talks about, I'm your advocate, and then says, and, and, yeah. and it's wonderful that we think that, right? That he's going to stand up and plead my case. But I think sometimes we think he's going to get up and he's going to say, this is Brother Stafford. And brother, look at all the things he did. He got baptized. He, he kind of messed some stuff up in his life, but he, got, but, but he fixed it. And, and yeah, you know, he, he wasn't perfect as a dad, and he wasn't perfect as you know, a seminary teacher. Sometimes he, he failed miserably or whatever. But Regular, but he's yeah, yeah. right. He, he, we think of him as like the advocate for me, fighting for my cause. And then when we get to these to the to the the verse where he says, "Listen to him who is the advocate with your father." Then he goes before the Lord and he says, "Behold, I," and he points to himself. He stands in front of you and he's like, "Hey, it's me, right? I the the Savior. I'm the one, right? And I did this and I did that, yeah. and it's me." And he doesn't ever even bring you up. He just says, "He's one of mine, and he's one that you told me I could have if he followed me, right?" So, so not only is it not mentioned, it's not mentioned because it doesn't do any good. No matter how much good you've done or bad you've done, if he's taking you. That's what him is what matters, right? He he before the Lord is the thing that matters, not anything you've done, anything good that you've done. Now, interestingly, there comes a time where I don't I don't indicate to him that I want him to accept me, that I want him to take me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and so it's not a works that I've earned a way in, but it's a sign. Every time I do a thing that shows me that I'm following him, there's a sign I'm holding up saying, hey, I want you to help me. Hey, I want you to help me. And if I've done that in my life, when I die, that's when he steps in. He gives me a big hug. He says, man, you were a mess. And I'm going to be like, yeah, I totally was, but you got me, right? And he'll turn around and he'll talk to the Father for me and leave me out of it. 
because I didn't do anything that earned my spot right, other right. than follow him. And that's enough. I love what you were saying, Matt, and this just reminds me of what happens in the first part of Ezekiel. Now, this is not something, okay. go with me to chapter one. It might be chapter one or two, the end of chapter one. So, Mercy Me, this, this famous Christian song, Surrounded by your glory. Okay, so the, the words. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah, okay. Surrounded okay. by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Hmm. Will I stand in your presence or to my knees will I fall? Hmm. Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? Man, I love that. Oh, I can I'm, only imagine. I'm going yeah. to go find this song and I'm going to clip it in at the end of the, awesome. end of the episode here. Okay. So fantastic. But I think about that, and I keyed into this. This is not something from the Come Follow Me material. But look at the end of Ezekiel chapter 1. Now, at the end of Ezekiel 1, and I'll try to come to this and give some context, but he gets to see God. True. And look at the end of verse 28. Will you just read from midway through, this was the appearance. Yeah. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face, and I heard a voice of one that spake. Hmm. So, will I dance for you, Jesus? <laughs> what? How's, what's Ezekiel's response? You fall on your face, humble and overwhelmed. I just can't imagine meeting the Savior yeah. when he says, Ike, you were a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you're talking about. Yeah. I just can't imagine doing anything but just falling on my right. face. Yeah. And just... Well, you think uh, about the, the people when Christ came to... Uh, the Nephites, right? They, they all just instantly down. Yeah. They're, and then he comes again, you know, after he'd left to come back, and they he finds them in the attitude of prayer, and they yeah. stay, and he, and he just says, go ahead, don't, keep praying, don't, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's so cool. Well, let's connect that. Um, so in, in chapter chapter 2 now, okay. after he has another discussion with the Lord, verse number 23, it's just at the end of verse number 23, a second time, he sees the the, the Lord. Mm. And he falls on his face. Yeah. Now, Matt, what's important to this? What's important to this discussion is that where this is happening, Ezekiel's visions, all of Ezekiel, it happens when he is in Babylon. Okay. So Jerusalem has been besieged and... Lehi's left. Lehi's gone. Okay, this is this is right around that time, right? This is maybe a yep. few years later that yep. Ezekiel so, starts. So we just finished Jeremiah, okay. right? Now, Jeremiah's a little different than Ezekiel. Jeremiah stayed in Jerusalem. Yep. So he's prophesying to the people there and all the destruction that happened there. And right. the people who were left over didn't get killed. Yep. And the people who didn't get carried away like Ezekiel did. Yeah. Ezekiel, Daniel, these guys got carried away to Babylon. Okay. With their families. Or I, don't, I mean, you can just imagine what this must have been like. I, I don't know. I imagine their families were probably divided. I imagine yeah. it was a terrifying oh, experience. Sure. But, um, and you know, Daniel and his buddies, they were all just young men. They didn't right. have moms and dads, that, right. at yeah. least to mention the story, that were with them. But anyways, what's so important about this is that Ezekiel has these visions, but they're not in Jerusalem. Hmm. They're not near the temple. They're not in the holy city. Hmm. So God's teaching us some things here, right? His prophet Ezekiel is has been removed from the holy city. Yeah. And so... And, and to go into chapter one, wow. So when you read this or you listen to this for the first time with your Come Follow Me studies, and, and if you're familiar with this, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what's going on here. And if you say that, then I would, <laughs> awesome. say, I would say awesome to you. You are amazing. <laughs> but he has this vision as he's in Babylon. 
And it starts with these beasts. And these beasts are very unique. They have four heads. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry, they have one head and they have four faces on them. Sure. Face of a man, a face of a lion, a face of a cow, and a face of an eagle. Okay. And they've got wings and they're flying and they're in a circle and they're on these circles. And you are wondering to yourself, what is even going on here? What is happening? Right. And there's a lot of interpretation, I'm sure, that people can make about this. But what's important about this great big creature and all this wheels and its ability to move and all the eyes, they can see everything and they have all the power, is that on top of this, in verse number 26 from chapter 1, and above the firmament that was over their heads of these beasts was the likeness of a throne. And then at the very end of the verse, as the appearance of a man upon it. Hmm. So above all these beasts that represents all the power and all the classes of beasts or whatever they represent, mm-hmm. all that power and everything, God is above all that. Yeah. And he sees God upon his throne. Mm-hmm. So that's just a very brief introduction yeah, to sure. Ezekiel 1. No, I love that. I love that. It makes me think of... It, it's interesting when, when uh, prophets see and write about their visions of God sitting on his throne. Oftentimes there are beasts that are so foreign to the earth. Right, they're they're like this, or mm-hmm. I think about revelations and right. You know, and there's a lot of things that whoa similarities. There's a lot of similarities between Ezekiel and the Book of Revelation yeah. and some of the vision yeah. John saw. Yeah, keep yeah. Going. No, I, yeah. It, that was it. I just I just think there's it's interesting and it makes you wonder in the next life what what animal types will exist. <laughs> right, <laughs> we're gonna have the lion probably and the lamb for sure. But yeah, but what other animals yeah. are existing up there? That I'm thinking created? Chronicles of Narnia. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, Lewis was on to something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's good. So let's let's take a new topic. Okay. Um, and I don't know that we foreclosed the last topic, but maybe we're just going to, the, the topic of when to speak out and share it. And well, can I share my experience? Yeah, share it, please. Okay. So, um, and, and I don't want to get too detailed about this. It, it's, um, uh, let me just say, let me just share. There's, there's a, I'm not on social media a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I follow a couple of things that I think help me in my job. Um, I have friends, you know, that I reach out to there. I, I try to reach out to my students there. But I came across um, uh, a man who I've known in my life um, who has an opportunity to work with youth. Mm-hmm. And he, he uh, not in a church assignment, not in a calling, in his occupation. And... Um, the first post I saw, he had kind of, well, he had directly kind of chastised the church for uh, the um, the role bishops play in um, the repentance process. And in his experience with the youth, um, he feels like when youth go in and interact with bishops, they walk away having to repent of some morality issue most of the time. They walk away feeling like they're worthless and they're okay. not valued and whatever. Okay. And, and, and I think there's maybe something instructive to, to bishops about that, that you know, mm-hmm. maybe we need to build up the, the youth when they're struggling or something like that. But his approach was to kind of lay flat the church and say, it's wrong, this is just wrong that we're having youth talk to these these church leaders uh-huh. and, right and and i read the first post and i was like okay it's it's missing a whole lot of context about bishops and you know there's a lot of stuff missing there and i just kind of let it go and um about a week later i i come across it it just pops up in my feet again and that topic is still going 
And now there's a list of uh, the, the the respondents has become hundreds of respondents. Wow. And so I thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to look at this and just see if there's any corrective kind of nature in, in the responses. And there wasn't. Yeah. It was a whole lot of people supporting and sustaining and uh, non-members and people that just really didn't get what, what the concept was there. And and I thought, that's really sad. There's a lot of people um, that are having that kind of experience and, and not thinking deep enough about that concept. So a, a couple weeks go by. Okay. And I still didn't respond to it. I just, you know. And then another one comes out where... It's directly, the prophet needs to change this and wow. change it now. Wow, okay. The church needs to make a change, right? And I, I don't have this almost ever, but the Spirit just came, you know as much as you know so that you can help people understand this principle. Just came very clearly. I had mm-hmm. studied enough about that role of a bishop uh-huh. to know what that means and why they do it. And... I very carefully and very, it probably took me two hours to write a little two-paragraph response that just taught the principle of the church isn't the prophet and it isn't the brethren. It's the Lord leading. And if the Lord saw a problem, the Lord through his prophet would make that change. But a prophet doesn't get to just decide what principles of the gospel he wants to change right. because it might be hurting, according to his opinion, the children or the youth of the church, right? And... Uh, and, and just made some analogies uh, about that, that, um, that a, a bishop's role isn't, isn't really the healer, right? He's not there to heal them. That's the Savior's role. Correct, yeah. He's there maybe as a physician to sew up the wound, but, but, the, but the healing mm-hmm. is the body that does it by itself. It's the Savior that, that's m- almost magical about how it, right, um, about how it, it heals. And, and so just a couple of things there that, to help maybe shift the thinking. Uh, within a day, his po- old post had been taken down. Wow. All, all of them. All That's three great. of the ones I had read, all of them had been taken down. And so then I started feeling like, oh, man, maybe I, maybe it was too harsh. Too heavy-handed. Was too heavy-handed. And then the scripture that we read earlier um, came to my mind, uh, reproving with betimes with, with sharpness. Yeah. And then immediately after, when, when prompted by the Holy Ghost, right? But then immediately after is, what? what does it say? It says that... Uh, followed by an increase, an in, increase love. in love, right? Yeah. And so I just privately reached out to him and said, not publicly, just privately, and said, I I hope that my my comment was received as it was intended, and yeah. and uh, he didn't respond back, and and I I haven't seen him since then, and I I just but but overarchingly. Um, I, when I was younger, I would have responded all the time. I would have made comments all the time. Uh-huh. But I've learned that principle that you, you got to slow it down. You got to, especially on social media, where everything can be said so quickly and flippantly. Yep. That uh, yep. anyway, I, I just think that's no. And I and and one, I'm so glad you brought up that principle of, you know, after you correct, yeah. right? We didn't talk, we didn't touch on that, but afterwards, show an increase of love sure. and. And so that's another principle of when we we speak up. It's another principle we should focus on of when we speak up or when we warn. We do it in the Lord's way, which includes showing an increase of love afterwards. Yeah, yeah. it's good. And I think that's another principle too. If we cannot, if we cannot show an increase in love when we correct, we shouldn't be correcting. No, we shouldn't. Yeah, the Spirit is not going to inspire us. I don't want. To, I don't want to say a blanket uh, rule here. Yeah. But I think it's really unlikely that the Spirit would uh, 
invite us to correct somebody if we cannot show an increase of love yeah. afterwards. Yeah, that's good. Well, well said. That's well said. I like that. Okay, where else? Give me another principle. Let's let's look a little more. Ooh. One more. One more. Oh man, there's there's too much in Ezekiel to have one more. Okay, two more. <laughs> uh, for our listeners, I hope you love this. Yeah. You know what? I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna forego talking about those bones, those bones, yeah. those dry bones. <laughs> Hear the word of the Lord. You know what? You know I, that song. I do know that one. Okay. I do know that one. <laughs> Okay. But I want to let you sing it. That, it was just awesome. <laughs> yeah. <It was> good. <laughs> so, you know, the head bone's connected to the neck yep. bone. That's that famous prophecy of Ezekiel, which is dualistic in nature. Yeah. And just as an introduction to that, of, of the resurrection, of course, and also of the gathering. Yeah. Uh, and I just think about President Nelson and how that is on his mm-hmm. mind, the gathering. Um, similarly, in the same chapter 37, we get this verse about, maybe we should do this one. Let's do this one. Okay. Let's go to 37. So after the after the famous prophecy of the, the dry bones coming back to life, uh, we get this other prophecy that's a little bit less known. Okay. Um, verse 15 from Ezekiel 37. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick and write upon it for Judah and for the children of Israel, his companions. Okay, stop there for mm-hmm. a second. Okay. So just to summarize, what's going on? Well, I know a stick represents uh, a book, a scroll. In the Come Follow Me material for this week, the second symbol involves two sticks, which many scholars interpret as wooden writing boards joined by a hinge. Oh, really? Hmm. Okay. Like a wooden book. Like a wooden book. That's interesting. Joined by a hinge. That's interesting. Thank thank you. Yeah, keep going. Um, And write upon it for Judah. So we're we're talking about a a wooden book written on for For Judah, Judah, right? Explaining their history and, and... prophetic information uh, and for the children of Israel his companions then take another stick and write upon it for Joseph the stick of Ephraim and for all the house of Israel his companions join them one to another into one stick and they shall become one in thine hand so we have two writings Judah and Ephraim right mm-hmm. for Joseph Ephraim so what is it teach us Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon is a stick of Ephraim and the Bible and the history of the um, Judah is the, the the New Testament, the Bible. The but uh, well, what I think is so great about it is this is Ezekiel in after Lehi's left saying, "Hey, there's going to be a second book." Right? Mm-hmm. The Lord's speaking through him, saying, "There's going to be a second record, and somehow it's going to happen through through Ephraim." Um, but but Ezekiel maybe not even given that much information about who it is and how it's done, he, and maybe as a contemporary Lehi he would have even known him um, in a Jeru- in a Jerusalem with so few righteous people. You know when Lehi leaves eleven years before, it's probably a significant leaving. Yeah. And uh, so so Could I be. don't know that I don't know Could. that he knew him, but right. But you know that's it, what he's talking be, about. It would be interesting to be Ezekiel with the knowledge he had of of the people that have left and Jeremiah's experiences and right. I mean. All the all the contemporaries they would have had. Isn't this so cool? Yeah. Now, can I just make a little bit of comment commentary on this? So this has to do with the gathering, yeah. right? And a few weeks ago in Isaiah chapter twenty nine, we talked about the marvelous work and the wonder, right. and how it's the Book of Mormon, right? And and the Book of Mormon just brings a power with it, yeah. That uh, we just can't get elsewhere, yeah. bringing us to Christ and and that with the with the Bible, so awesome together. In verse number nineteen, at the end. Um, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. Mm. Okay, right? We keep going on. Uh, 21, oh, this is so good. 
about midway down, uh, Israel from the beginning, heathen, whither they be gone and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Hmm. So it's not like this discussion of these two sticks is on its own. It is yeah. in the middle of this discussion about yeah. the gathering, yeah. right? So we have the we have the vision of the dry bones putting on flesh and becoming resurrected, right. which is a which is dualistic about the resurrection and about the gathering, right? right? right. And then we start talking about the two sticks. Yeah. It's all about the gathering. Yeah, the restoration being part of that. Yes. You know? I love the I love the um, next verse. I will mm-hmm. make them one nation yep. in the land upon the mountains of Israel and one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. I think about Isaiah, where even if there are two center places, right? We've got yeah. Zion in, in the, the Americas and Zion, which will become Jerusalem again, right? Mm-hmm. Where the temple's built and Christ reigns from there, but speaks from the, the mountain, tops of the mountains, right? Um, it's one nation with one king, with one ruler, right? Um, and and I think I think sometimes, especially in our divided world today, we see all the different faiths and all the different religions, and we just don't see it becoming one. But that's the vision of the gathering, isn't it? That, yeah, that all, it's of all one. God's children understand it the same way, because it's the truth. It's the true way, right? That's cool. And this book, this book of Mormon, which has so much power to bring us to Christ, that is the method. Yeah, that's what's going to unite these kingdoms. Yeah. And uh, so just kind of a fascinating point on this, right? Um, just so we connect the dots, right? Stick of Judah, most or much of the Bible is written by the tribe of Judah. Sure. And then the through Joseph, through the loins of Joseph, we get the Book of Mormon, right? Yeah. And it's just so fascinating in Genesis chapter 40, 49, when Joseph gets his patriarchal blessing mm-hmm. from Jacob, okay. He gets his patriarchal blessing, and in his patriarchal blessing, it's he's told, Joseph is a fruitful bow or branch. Right. Joseph is a fruitful branch, even a fruitful branch by a well whose branches shall run over the wall. Mm. Wow, that's interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Branches shall run over the wall. Huh. Yeah, wonder what that could be. Yeah, leaving Jerusalem. Exactly. Get over the wall. Literally leaving Jerusalem and the wall and leaving Jerusalem and leaving... Even the promised land. That continent. Yeah. That continent and going to the new promised land. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Where is that at? Say that again. That's Genesis 49, 22. This is his patriarchal blessing when Jacob blesses all of his sons. I've never made that connection. Yep. That's good stuff. Yeah. Do we have time for one more? One more. Yeah, teach me. Okay. So maybe I'll try to do this brief, but I let's go to Isaiah, excuse me, Ezekiel forty-seven. Now. Okay. So this is about he. The last chapters of Ezekiel are about the millennial day and some of the things right. in the last days that will happen. But he has another vision, and his visions are so fun. But in this particular vision, I'm going to kind of walk you through this. Why don't you read verse one, and then I'll, I'll walk us through it. Go ahead. Forty-seven one. Yep. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. And, behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward, for the forefront of the house stood towards the east. And the waters came down from under, from the right side of the house, at the south side of the altar. Okay. So, he is seeing the latter-day temple in Jerusalem. Yeah. Now, the area between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea, would you call it fruitful, more fruitful, or more barren? Barren. (laughs) Totally barren. (laughs) Okay. 
the whole city is made, it's like <laughs> right. it's made out of sand. Right, <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So he sees this vision where the temple in the last days in Jerusalem and this water is coming out. All right. Hmm. Now, um, so it's coming out of the temple on the right side. Uh, verse number three. And when the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. So a thousand cubits away from where it comes out of the temple, the water is how deep? Uh, to his ankles. Okay. Five, six inches maybe. Four. At the end of verse four, as he measures another thousand cubits later. He brought me through. The waters were to the loins. So, so the water's getting deeper. The water's getting deeper. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Verse five. After he measured a thousand, it, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. It's gotten way deep. Yeah. Okay. So it's making sense. Yeah. This river that's coming out of the temple is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And not just that, but look at verse number seven, for example. Read that. Now, when I had returned, behold, at the bank of the river were very many trees on the one side and on the other. So, and verse number nine, read that one too. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live, and there shall be a very great multitude of fish, because these waters shall come thither, for they shall be healed, and everything shall live whither the river cometh. What is this river doing? Bringing everything back to life. Uh, Making it all fruitful and bountiful and a, a grove of sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what the temple does, the ordinances of the temple. And so for our listeners, and I'll just ask you, Matt, but for our listeners, how has the temple been a source of life, of rejuvenation, of miraculous healing for you in your life? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I love the concepts taught in the, in the temple. Obviously, the connection to the other side, um, my connection to my ancestors and those that have gone on. I've had many moments of healing there where I knew that those um, that had already passed were present as their work was being done. Mm-hmm. But, but maybe on a more personal level, um, my own knowledge uh, obtained as to how to return back to our, our Father in Heaven um, through the ordinances of the temple, uh, the signs and tokens learned, the, the capacity to pass through the veil. Um, uh, this is like not, probably not even something I should share, but in my head, I have, have you ever seen the never-ending story? The old movie, never-ending story? Yeah, you probably shouldn't have gone, but yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So at the end of it, the, the, uh, the hero uh, comes to the, these sentinels mm-hmm. that are standing on yep. both sides of the, of the pathway, and, and they have to, they, he has to give a, a, a password. Uh-huh. And a, a, st- a statement to them, it has to be right, or they you can't get through. And there's bones laying and all it gets over. Destroyed. Didn't get there, yeah. right? And uh, I, I just have in my mind thought of how wonderful it is that the Lord protects um, with a veil and with uh, those same types of signs and tokens and key words and things that you learn that help you get back through the temple. If you haven't gone through the temple, um, you literally don't know how to get back into the presence of the Lord. Um, and, and it's something that I, I think if more young people understood that and recognize how important it is to get there, there are things you are not taught in a church building, in, yeah. in a seminary room, in, yeah. a, in a, an institute class, right? That is just not taught to you um, because of the, the healing 
and teaching that goes on in the temple. So for me, um, that river got really deep, really fast, right? And, yeah. and my capacity to understand for a long time was very limited. Yeah. But as I've gotten older and as I've gone more frequently, my, my uh, love of the temple, my, um, my desire to be there, to learn more, to understand differently, it really is a healing thing because yeah. it's, it's teaching my spirit more than it needs to know. I like how you talk about, as you go back, you get more and more out of it. Because, like, you know, after a thousand cubits, the guy who's measuring it, it only goes up to his ankles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As we go to the temple just the first few times, yeah. maybe that healing and that power that comes, maybe it's only up to our ankles. Yeah, and it's, and it's spiritual space, right? I'm in a uh -huh. spiritual place. It feels good. It's good for me, right? Del G. Rendlin. I extend the promise of protection that's been offered in the past. I promise you protection for you and your family as you take this challenge to find as many names to take to the temple and ordinances you perform in the temple and teach others to do the same. If you accept this challenge, blessings will begin to flow to your family. You'll not only find protection from the temptations and ills of this world, but also find personal power, power to change, power to repent, power to learn, power to be sanctified, and power to turn the hearts of your family together and heal that which mm. needs healing. Wow. Just last week, if I can share, Jackie and I were in the temple together, and I'll tell you what my thoughts were first, and then she really is um, just spiritually remarkable. My thoughts first as I sit in the temple, I was thinking about gathering Israel, and I'm like, you know what? Of all the things I do in my life to try to gather Israel, mm. as busy and as crazy and as challenging at times my life is, you know, I'm trying to raise children, got nine kids, uh, trying to to be a good servant in the Lord's kingdom, trying to teach seminary and, mm -hmm. and organize that work. I was just sitting there in the temple thinking, of all the things I do to try to gather Israel, serving in the temple is certainly the easiest. Yeah, This is so peaceful right, right. now. It's so easy. I'm just <laughs> sitting here being taught by the Lord. It's awesome. I'm gathering Israel right now. This is too easy. Yeah, that's great. And as I'm having this thought, my wife leans over to me and she says... I feel like I can do anything when I'm in here. Mm. And just for a mother of nine kids with all the craziness, all the burdens, all the lack of sleep with a newborn infant and everything, yeah. that's how she feels. Wow. I feel like I can do anything. Wow. Healing, right? Yeah. Coming in with the burdens of, of life um, and, and after being there an hour, feeling like that. Oh. That's something I wish that... Uh, more of our, our young adults um, grasped. Uh, you know, they're, they're getting married later in life just by, by virtue of our culture, maybe. Um, but, but I think for some, that's putting the temple off a little farther. And um, maybe there's a time when the Lord would have you go through the temple before you get married. Sure, um, you for know, sure. We see a lot of sister missionaries and, and elders that uh, prepping for their missions, they, they receive the endowment and they go through the temple, and then they work at the temple for a while, right, And before they serve. And, and I just, I, I see some of my young adult uh, students who I know haven't gone through the temple, and I, and, it, and it's got to be right, right? It's not something you should just do just because mm -hmm. you're 24 or whatever, right? But, but I do wonder if uh, the gap between the last covenant you made and the next covenant you need to make, as that gets farther and farther away, as it gets, the, the gap grows, I wonder if the capacity to stay strong and stay on the covenant path gets harder to do, especially because 
if if you're waiting for marriage to go through the temple to receive your endowment, that's an unknown period of time, right? Yeah. From the time I was eight to the time I was twelve and received the priesthood, right? That was a four year period. From the time I was twelve to the time I went on my mission, that was a seven year period, right? Whatever. And, and I could identify when my next covenant was. But if I'm waiting for my spouse to show up, um, and I haven't gone through the temple because I didn't serve a mission, mm-hmm. um, that's an indefinite yeah. next covenant, right? right? And I wonder if the Lord would have us be a little thoughtful about that and say, is, is going through the temple, for some, maybe not all, is going through the temple something that could help you stay on the covenant path? Absolutely. Make yeah. that next covenant and oh, be ready. I wish we had God's prophet here to say, what would you say to, yeah. to our young adults? Right? Yeah, um, yeah I, I mean, you just think about the the temple. Why is the temple, why is this water flowing from the temple bringing healing? Sure. It's not because it's the temple. Right. It's because it's Jesus Christ. And it's his power and it's his presence. Yeah. And so I think any time that we can gain greater access to his power, we're going to live. Yeah. And our, our relationships are going to live, and whatever it is that we need is going to live, and it's going to thrive just as in Ezekiel, where we see the, the banks of this water, banks of this river full of trees, yeah. and all the fish in the water. Yeah, yeah that's so great. Healed, right? Healing, Healed yeah. from, from the, all the generations of muck that that space has been, right? And all the, all the yuck that's gone on there. I, I do wonder, and maybe I should qualify my last comment a little bit by saying, you know, baptism's at the temple, I think can be just as healing, right? Maybe it isn't coming with all the knowledge uh-huh. and the, and the uh, added covenants and, and whatnot. But, but I, do, I do think that um, baptisms for the dead become something when you get a little, little older that uh, are viewed as something the youth go do. Uh-huh. And and I don't think that uh, is ever been said. <laughs> you know, I, I think. Uh, in fact, the last time I went to the temple with my kids, we we tried to go once a week over the summer with all my kids. And and last time we went, um, I had an opportunity to be baptized myself, which I don't know that I've been baptized for the dead in I don't know thirty years, forty years. That's maybe, a long time, right? Thirty years at least, right? And uh, I I went down into the water, and there was a man that was from um, Hungary that was down there and I slipped as I went down and like I got just clear under the water as I came down into the font. <laughs> Baptize yourself. I did, almost, right? And I get down there and, and he did the baptismal prayers in his native language. Wow. Which was a really cool experience and you know I'm so big that I don't go backwards at all anymore. I don't bend that way at all. So I'm just going straight down, straight up. But, but I just thought as I walked out of that experience I thought how many of Adults are missing out on the opportunity to be baptized for somebody else, yeah. and to relearn and rethink and refeel those those experiences. And so, however you get to the temple, whether it's in the into the font or into the um, at the altars, right? It's just it's where you need to be. And just this has probably been three or four months ago now, but in the temple doing baptisms with my kids, and there was a young adult there, huh. a uh, a young adult man, and he. So I'm guessing he was probably 25-ish, sure. that, that age. And uh, it was so beautiful to be in the temple with yeah. him. Because he was, um, and, and if it wasn't like this, it still would have been beautiful. But he, you could tell that it had been a little bit of time. Yeah. And I'm guessing that maybe just recently he'd got his temple recommended, maybe even for the first time in his life. Sure. And uh, just so awesome to be there mm-hmm. with that brother. Cool. And uh, I still remember his name. Yeah. So remember his face and cool. still remember the joy of being in the baptistry with That's him. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, get back to the temple. If you haven't been there for a while, get there. 
make it consistent. I, I love the prophet's uh, instruction to us to, to be there. So if you're not endowed and you're a young adult, yeah. can you still go to the temple? Yeah, yeah. You go do baptisms. That's a limited use recommend. Still applies to you, right? Absolutely. You go to the temple. Brother Stafford, thank you. This has been wonderful. There's so much in these chapters, and they're so full of stuff that we could, we could have. Uh, yeah, we can uh, keep found, going, but uh, yeah. but thank you for applying it and, and finding some uh, truths that that might help the young adults a little bit in our in our area. Um, what would you say in closing? What would your hopes be, or your your vision for the young people be? What would you what would you want to counsel them and help them with? Yeah, I think I might just leave them with um, the word of the Lord to Ezekiel when he says, "I have no." I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Yeah. And then he says, for those who change, your none of your sins will be mentioned to you. Yeah. And how grateful I am for the Savior. And, and I hope that all of us can make our garments clean through the blood of the Lamb, yeah. Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Brother, thank you. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you. We'll see you soon.